You are now tuned in to No One Watches Regular News, hosted by me, Kerry Bogor, and this is episode 14 of season 2. So this is my opinion or thoughts on Paige's speech. Um, she received the ESPY award and she, and she gives that speech. She brings up black women not getting the media coverage as they should. Uh, she brings up Breonna Taylor. In my opinion, this is Paige's attempt to kiss black folks ass. It's that white guilt. It's that I'm ashamed. Yes, I believe that black people are the victim shit. You're oppressed. It's nothing worse than when white people, when they try to use that guilt shit, they try to feel ashamed for you or feel sorry for you because they believe that you are being held back, you know, oppressed, you know, so you're playing the victim. So you're getting help in playing the victim. And this is what's happening. And this is what, uh, how I thought when I first heard Paige's speech is just a young white woman who feels guilty, ashamed maybe. And she's okay with letting black people know that yes, you are a victim. Yes, you are being oppressed. Yes, you are being held back. Yes, you don't get the media coverage as she think you should. So this is, this is how I see Paige's speech. It's not inspiring. It doesn't do anything. You know, this is that whole woke culture shit. You know, that it's a woke speech. It sounds cool, but it's really bad. Why? Because now you're making it seem like you feel sorry for black women. You feel sorry for black folks. And here it is, the, the white woman comes along, the white savior, to say something that black people will agree with because it's along the lines of being racial racism. You're the victim. And I understand you're the victim. This is why I agree with you. This is what it sounds like that Paige is saying. And this is why I disagree with her SB speech. I don't like it. I think it's bad because it paints the picture that black people are just permanent victims that we can't do nothing. 
that the only way that anything can be done is if white folks step up and do something about it. This is what it sounds like, that we are just completely powerless. We have no power. This is, this is what it sounds like to me. And I just think that Paige's speech is just terrible. But people liked it. You know, they gave her a a pat on the back, a applause. Yeah, you know, she did a good thing. You know, she brought up the obvious thing, whatever. I disagree. I just think it's that white guilt. You, you, you just feel ashamed. And you agree with the fact that black people feel like they're the victim. So you're going to also play the victim card. And agree with them. So this is why I say this speech is terrible. Uh, this story about the assassination of the Haitian president uh, just gets more interesting by the day. Um, this article came from the New York Post. And it says this. American suspect in Haiti president's assassination was confidential DEA source. This is what the article says. So now did America actually have a role in assassinating the president of Haiti? Is this true or not? One of the Americans arrested for the assassination of Haiti's president had been an informant for the Drug Enforcement Administration, the U.S. agency the hit squad had claimed to be working for. A DEA official confirmed that the informant even reached out to his handlers after the hit, and CNN also claimed that several of those arrested also had been U.S. informants, including for the FBI. Once again, the U.S. is in the middle of some shit, and it doesn't look good. It makes the U.S. look real bad. It says one of the suspects in the assassination of the Haitian president was a confidential source to the DEA. The DEA official confirmed Following the assassination, um, the suspect reached out to his contacts at the DEA, the official wrote in an email also obtained by the Miami Herald. Um, a, DEA, a DEA official assigned to Haiti urged the suspect to surrender to local authorities and along with a U.S. State Department colleague, shared information with the Haitian government that assisted in the surrender and arrest of the suspect and one other individual, the official said. So it does look like that America has some role in the assassination of the Haitian president. Uh, this is a fact. And they are saying that, based on this article, a confidential source to the DEA, the DEA official confirmed. This is what it's saying. And then it says a DEA. A DEA official assigned to Haiti urged the suspect to surrender to local authorities and along with the U.S. State Department colleague. Uh, this is what they're saying. So the U.S., man, this doesn't look good. Then also, too, I've been hear, hearing reports that U.S. is also being blamed for what's happening in Cuba as well. Uh, last week, I saw this article come out and I also saw a lot of propaganda um, surrounding this story. Uh, it says, Teen who filmed George Floyd murder says uncle killed in collision with police. Now, this was just an accident. The cops didn't do it on purpose. They were pursuing a suspect involved in a carjacking and a robbery. So they were pursuing the suspect. So this is what the statement says from the Minneapolis Police Department. Spokesperson John Elder said that on Tuesday morning, uh, again last week, an officer was chasing a carjacking and robbery suspect, which led to the officer crashing into a nearby driver. The suspect then fled. As the officer entered the intersection traveling northbound on Lindale Avenue at 41st um, Avenue North, he collided with a vehicle that was traveling westbound. A southbound vehicle was also involved in the crash. Okay. Elder added that the officer was transported to a nearby hospital to be treated for a serious but non-life-threatening injuries. The driver died from his injuries en route to the hospital, according to the statement. 
So they're making it seem like that the police did this on purpose. This was not the case. It was just an accident. They, they were pursuing a suspect in, involving a carjacking and a robbery. Now, people will never be satisfied with what they want. And then also they become confused. Now it's questions about whether police departments should pursue suspects in these high-speed chases because it could maybe injure the officer or injure someone else or if not kill them. So now people are dictating. Now they want to be able to dictate what the officer can and cannot do while on the job. And in my opinion, this puts us at risk as regular people. The officer should be able to do his job or her job. But now we want to be able to say, well, based on this person being killed and based on how I feel about that, I think that the officer should be limited in pursuing these suspects. Carjacking, robbery, a murder suspect, a person that has a warrant, whatever the, the case might be. We want officers to be limited. Because we believe it puts us at risk. But it also puts us at risk if these people are not caught. If they commit a crime and they are allowed to just get away because the officer cannot pursue them. Because of the risk and maybe endangering someone else. This is why I hate the defund the police thing. It was the worst thing ever because now you have to question what officers do now. They can't do their job. Now it's putting us at risk. Not just them, but us at risk because they can't do their job to protect us and, and to protect other people from being hurt. It seems this space uh, is where it's set. So being there, Richard Branson reaches space in his own ship. So this guy, Richard Branson, is so rich that he decides to build his own ship. So this guy went into space aboard his own winged rocket ship Sunday, bringing astro-tourism a step closer to reality. And this guy beat out his rival, uh, who was much richer than he is, Jeff Bezos, the guy that owns Amazon. Uh, the newly 71-year-old Branson and five crewmates from his Virgin Galactic Space Tourism Company reached an altitude uh, 53.5 miles over the New Mexico desert, enough to experience three to four minutes of weightlessness you know so this is something that he did and then they flew back home and landed so space is the future so once you done conquered everything on the earth and, and you have done everything you can the next step now will be space and it's a rush now to you know um not not really to capitalize but also to kind of um colonized space now it this is the the new thing now with the moon and mars and everything else just like the entire planet has been colonized now it's a push to colonize space and to be able to own a piece of it you know and and i, I hate to say it that way but this is how people think now they want to be able to own a piece of space say it's theirs they got there first they have ownership of it this is the mindset of people now and this is and this is where it is heading to now. You know, people will be interested in going to outer space more, you know, doing a tour of space, you know, not just NASA anymore. It's gonna be people like uh Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos and other people, you know, that will attempt to go into outer space themselves, you know, build their own spaceship, their 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 own aircraft and go. And then also offer other people a tour, a piece of the pie, you know, being able to go in outer space to, to do the tour. And like I said, even on space, man, they're going to be able to colonize space, you know, the moon and Mars, all this shit, man. You know, so this is the future now. It's a viral video uh, right now of a white woman. She's in Victoria's Secret. People have labeled her a Karen. So, uh, and then a black woman was recording her. So the white woman goes to hit the black woman. So I'm I'm thinking they're having some dispute or argument, whatever. So the white woman goes to uh to hit the black woman, then she realizes that she's been recorded. And the white woman has a full blown uh meltdown. Like she's just erratic, very emotional, 
crying and shit and people label her Karen. So the thing about this whole Karen thing in cancel culture, it seems like it slowly but surely it, it has escalated and it's gotten worse. And I don't understand who, who decides on who gets canceled or not. Like who is the people that decide this? You know, this whole cancel culture shit is stupid because there are certain people that deserve to be canceled. For example, uh, I was watching a clip of the uh, Jocelyn Cabaret, whatever. And you have a group of black women who volunteered to go on this show and to be disrespected by a woman who has labeled herself the Puerto Rican princess. So here's a woman that's Puerto Rican. There's blatantly disrespecting black women, calling them bitches and hoes. And this is on TV. And she has not been canceled at all. So I don't understand. How do you allow yourself to be disrespected like the black women on this show, Jocelyn Cabaret. And you're being called bitches and hoes. And black people don't counsel Jocelyn Hernandez for how she treats black women. I don't get it. But here's a video that goes viral of a white woman in Victoria's Secret because she has a breakdown, a complete meltdown. And, and people have labeled her Karen and she's canceled. Of course, you know, they're going to highlight her entire life. You know, her job is probably in jeopardy, her family, friends, whatever. So... Who decides to cancel people? Because there's certain people that deserve to be canceled. You know, this white woman in Victoria's Secret just had a moment. You know, these things happen all the time. People have disputes. People have arguments all the time. But it seems as if this shit has escalated and gotten worse. This woke culture shit, I wish people just let it burn. These people will eat themselves alive. And this is what's happening right now. The whole woke culture shit is slowly but surely is turning on itself. And I wish people would just let it burn. Let them burn. Because in my opinion, Jocelyn Hernandez deserves to be canceled more than this white woman in Victoria's Secret. Way more. And that's just my opinion on it. This article came out the other day. It says, um, scientists ask Americans to help change racist insect names so apparently bugs have racist names like the gypsy ant the gypsy moth and the esa is pushing to help change the names and they're asking for the public's help uh, this article says um esa president michelle s smith bce said the purpose of common names is to make Communication easier between scientists and the public audiences they serve. Um, by and large, ESA's list of recognized insect common names succeeds in this regard, but the names that are unwelcoming to marginalized communities run directly counter to that goal. So how do the names of insects become so offensive and inappropriate? I don't get it. And then the article says this. They're basically like names like uh, the Mexican rice borer, Texas centrist mite, African mole cricket are just some examples. How these names can be offensive and inappropriate. So the ESA is asking for input from the public as well as fellow scientists to help rebrand a selection of insects. It's true. So how do people care so much about the name of an insect that somehow this is inappropriate, it's offensive, it, like the article says, marginalized communities. Some people feel offended by these names. So let's change the names of these insects because some people are kind of hurt behind it. You gotta be fucking kidding me. You know, uh, this whole woke culture shit, man, it's ridiculous, man. And it's going this far to people caring so much about names of insects. 
these names are unwelcoming and is meant to marginalize communities. This is what they're saying. This is a, a actual article, y'all. This was in Newsweek.com. Scientists ask Americans to help change racist insect names. You gotta be fucking kidding me. This article says California rapper Indian Red Boy shot and killed while on IG Live. Um, we always complain about the police and what they're doing and white people, white supremacy, but you see so many young black men killed at the hands of another young black man. It's very violent. It's very brutal. You know, uh, this screams like that black people need some kind of psychological treatment. We have to go to counseling, see a psychiatrist or something, man, because these things just keep happening too frequent, man. Uh, this guy was 21 years old. Again, his name was Indian Red Boy. Was shot and killed on Thursday, July 8th while inside his car. There are multiple videos circulating right now. They show the now late man talking to her friend on Instagram Live at the time and then getting shot while still on camera. So this guy got shot and killed while he was doing a live video. And I don't understand why, why do black people constantly give drug dealers, gang members, the benefit of the doubt? You know, why, why do we keep giving these people passes, man? I believe that black men are just too nice, man. Black men are just too fucking nice. We should be so ruthless towards these gang members and these drug dealers, these people that terrorize our communities. We should be so ruthless towards these people because you are bringing down our very neighborhoods, our cities, our communities where we live. You know, women and children deserve to be able to grow. And live a normal life and, and they don't have to live in the fear. You know, these stories just keep popping up, man. And it's frustrating because we just give passes out, man, to gang members and all these people that do bad. We give them passes. You know, these people are, are, are rewarded when they go to jail. It's cool. You know, it's a cool thing now. But a 21-year-old man shot and killed while, while live on camera is not upsetting to people. We should be outraged. We should be upset that these things happen so frequent. And all we do is say RIP. That's that's all we do. RIP. And it's upsetting that these things keep happening all the time. And that we haven't canceled these fucking gang members and these drug dealers for what they do to our people. Me personally, I hate fucking gang mangers. People, guys that's in gangs, I hate these motherfuckers. I do. Guys that sell drugs in their own community and they tear down their own community, I hate you motherfuckers. I, I do. That's, that's just how I feel, man. But these things have to stop, man. Black men dying of a violent and brutal death at the hands of another black man. And we don't talk about it. We don't protest. We don't get mad. We don't get outraged. The only time we get outraged is when somebody white does it to us. That's the only time we get outraged. This shit has to stop. All right, so this next story came out of New Jersey. This was on July 7th. Um, this young man named is Dion Ellis. He was 16 years old. He was shot in the head. And a, another team was wounded um, as a result. So Dion Ellis had a dream of becoming a designer. He was a pool lifeguard as well. He dies a very violent and horrible death. A very violent crime. So this happened in New Jersey. So he was 16 years old. He was shot and killed. And another teen was severely wounded in a shooting that happened uh, on a Monday morning. You know, this leads friends and family and the people in the community searching for answers. Like, Why? So just before 1 a.m. that day, officers with the Trenton Police Department responded to a Prospect Street Avenue and found Dion Ellis dead from a gunshot wound to the head. So we always hear these stories that pop up young black men and young black women dying of a violent death. I had a cousin who was shot and killed right here in Dallas, Texas. She was an innocent bystander, got struck. 
Some guy decides to pull up. He has a gun and begins to shoot in the crowd. Well, my cousin was one of those people that was there. She was shot and killed as well. So young black men and women are dying of a violent death. And for some reason, we don't want to talk about it. We would rather talk about how white people are treating black people, white supremacy, all this shit. We would rather have those discussions than talk about how can we prevent young black men and women from being shot and killed. They are innocent and they don't deserve to die. These are the discussions that have to be, that have to take place. Because it makes no sense that these young people are dying like this. It's, it's senseless. It makes no sense. But it happens quite frequent now. You know, we, we have seen the surge in violent crimes across American cities right now. It's an issue. But whenever Black Lives Matter does not show up on the behalf of black victims at the hands of other black people, they are among the forgotten people, not the people that are shot and killed by the police officers that get all the attention. You know, Black Lives Matter will always come out for them. You know, you will always see these um, black famous lawyers like Ben Crump. You know, you will, you will always see them. But nobody cares about the young black women and the young black men shot and killed and dying these very violent deaths. One thing that I've noticed is, is ever since Joe Biden and Kamala Harris has been in office, people that show support for them online, my friends and family on Facebook and shit, they have been really quiet. They have said nothing nice about them and the good job they're doing. If you believe that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden is doing a great job, why haven't you expressed that? Why have you, you show, uh, shown support towards the job uh, that Joe Biden and Harris is doing if you believe that they're doing a good job? See, we had this emotional attachment. You know, we hated Trump. We turned, turned him into a villain. That guy was god-awful. He's bad, he's bad, he's bad, he's a racist, blah, blah, blah. This went on for years even up until the election people continued their campaign against Trump people hated the guy but this was our emotional attachment hating Trump was our emotional attachment and we didn't even consider any real politics of either parties you know so this emotional attachment theory and of course, it's, you know, it's, it's not real, but I'm just making something up. But it's some kind of emotional attachment. We thought that Joe Biden and Harris was good. They got voted in, they won, and people forgot. Because they hated Trump so bad, they wanted Trump to lose. So once Trump lost... Black people stop caring about politics. We don't care no more. And this is how I know. Is that you have not congratulated either Joe Biden and Harris on the job they're doing. You won't even mention them at all. Why can't people say that Joe Biden and Harris is doing a good job? Says no one who voted for them. All my friends and family, people that I know that voted for Joe Biden and Harris has not said shit since the inauguration. I, I have not seen nobody share any stories about Joe Biden and Harris and what they're doing on their Facebook page, on Instagram. Nothing. People don't fucking care no more. And I knew that this would happen once Joe Biden and Harris got in. People will forget. They won't talk about it. But then they'll, they'll turn around and defend Joe Biden and Harris. They'll defend him. But they don't care. It's this emotional attachment that we had to Trump. People hated this guy so bad that they didn't even consider real politics from either parties, either side. We didn't care. And I knew that this would happen. So at this point, 
We deserve everything that comes our way. Everything they should put their foot on black people's neck even harder for how we fucked up this 2020 election by voting for Joe Biden Harris because people have not said congratulations to Joe Biden and Harris for the job they've done. Nobody has said nothing about it. So let's talk about just how bad Kamala Harris is. She is fucking horrible as a VP. So the vice president, Kamala Harris, did an interview on BET this past Friday. It was horrible. Go, go watch the interview. It's horrible. She's a joke. This woman got selected by Joe Biden to be his running mate. Because people begged Joe Biden to pick her. That's why she got picked. That's why she got selected because of Joe Biden. Not because she was qualified. She fucking sucks. Let's just be honest. She fucking sucks. So Harris didn't prove much of nothing. When it comes to politics. She didn't prove squat shit. She even ended her campaign in 2019. When she was running for president, she ended her campaign before the Democratic primary voters even went to the polls. So before people even began to vote, she dropped out, she quit. So on paper, it seemed like she was a good candidate, but she wasn't. Her campaign looked okay, but in the end, it was a non-factor in the entire primary. Because we all know when it comes to Harris, she is not strong in politics. She is not a strong politician herself. She fucking sucks. As of right now in 2024, they're making it seem like Harris is going to be on the ticket. You know, she's going to be the one that people would want to go vote for if Joe Biden doesn't run again. Which is concerning. Because will this be a, a repeat of 2016? Trump against Clinton. Will this be the case? So as a politician, she is not that good. She doesn't have a, a strong enough message to reach people. We have seen this. We saw this during her run for president that she did not produce a message that people could gravitate towards and people would be willing to vote for her. If people vote for Harris in 2024, it's going to be because they're afraid of who the Republicans put up. So people are going to rush out. Voting in fear. So that's the only way that Harris could ever win. In 2024. That's the only way. Is if people line up and go vote. Because they're afraid. People know for a fact. That when it comes to politics. Harris is fucking bad. It, it has been numerous reports. That have came out about Harris already. And what's going on. In the White House. But you cannot tell me that a woman that dropped out, that somehow she's qualified to be president in 2024. This woman dropped out before people even began to vote in the Democratic primary. She quit. So how in the fuck do you support this woman? Like I said before, when it comes to Joe Biden and Harris, people have nothing good to say. Nothing. People that supported them during this past election, people have been very quiet. They, they have said nothing, no good job or nothing to Joe Biden and Harris. So this tells you what's to come in the future. In 2024, two things are going to happen. No, three things. Either... Joe Biden runs for re-election and people vote for, vote for him again. Harris uh, runs and she doesn't have a chance in hell because she sucks.
or people vote for Harris when she runs in 2024, but they vote for her because they are afraid. That's that. Those are your three options. Vote for Joe Biden again. And he sucks too. Um, Harris runs. She doesn't uh, win because she sucks. Uh, and the other option is Harris is running for president. People vote for her because of fear. Those are the three options right there. That's it. But I just wanted to say that myself, man, because people are so fucking fake now, man. And this is the whole result of the whole damn world culture shit. We saw this in 2016. We saw this in 2020. I say let them burn. Let the whole liberal, the whole woke culture, let these people eat themselves because this is what's happening right now. You're getting everything that you deserve. And that's the truth. So some Americans are finding it harder to uh, afford rent. Uh, this article says uh, full-time minimum wage workers can't afford rent anywhere in the U.S. According to a new report, um, people working minimum wage jobs full-time cannot afford a two-bedroom apartment in any state in the country. The National Law Income Housing Coalition annual out-of-reach report finds in 93% of U.S. counties, the same workers can't afford a modest one-bedroom um, apartment. The uh, report defines affordability as the hourly wage a full-time worker must earn to spend no more than 30% of their income on rent, in line with what most budgeting experts recommend. This year, workers would need to earn $24.90 per hour for a two-bedroom home and $20.40 per hour for a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, That's an increase from... $23.96 $23.96 and $19.56 from last year, okay? The average hourly worker currently earns $18.78 per hour. The report finds more than $6 short of the wage needed to afford a two-bedroom apartment. So with the cost of living going up, that means that what you make per hour needs to go up to be able to keep up. And afford, you know, rent and pay bills, etc. People cannot make 12 bucks an hour, 13 bucks an hour and afford a one bedroom apartment. You know, that's almost impossible unless you're getting some kind of government assistance. You know, so um, a few years ago when I was making 14, 15 bucks an hour, I could afford a one bedroom apartment now. You have to make more money to be able to even afford a one-bedroom apartment. You have to be making at least 20 bucks an hour. Well, this says uh, the workers would need to earn $24 an hour for just a two-bedroom home and 20 bucks an hour for a one-bedroom apartment. So you would have to be making now 20 bucks an hour just to afford a one-bedroom apartment. You know, so in... Uh, America and like most most countries it's becoming more difficult for people to make it man because they're not making enough money uh you know everything doesn't point to education is opportunities the you know the job market you know um sometimes is not there and people are struggling to survive you know we're seeing right now in America a homelessness a crisis right now people that are homeless you know, this is a major issue in this country right now. So uh, with the cost of living going up, people are not able to afford a two-bedroom apartment or either a one-bedroom apartment. You know, it, you know, this is becoming a major issue. Again, this article says full-time minimum wage workers can't afford it, rent in anywhere in the U.S., according to a new report. So they can't afford rent anywhere. Because of what they're making. They're making below the required uh, hourly wage that you have to make to survive. So Chrissy Teigen is having a, a mental health issue. Um, she opens up about her mental health while being in the council club. So back in May, 
Chrissy Teigen came under fire after she uh, was bullying a reality TV star who was 16 when they married then a 51-year-old man named Doug Hutchison. Uh, claimed that Teigen bullied them and sent death threats on Twitter a decade ago. Teigen apologized for her actions in two open letters on Medium as well as on social media following uh, Studden's claim. Um, Teigen, who was largely kept a, a low profile on social media since her public apologies took to Instagram on July 14th to talk about her isolation and what it's like to be a part of the cancel club. Now, this is what she said. You know, um, she said, I don't really know what to say here. It just feels like, just feels so weird to pretend nothing happened in this online world, but feel like other shit in real life. Uh, Tegan began alongside a photo of her legs propped up on the couch going outside uh, sucks and doesn't feel right. Being at home alone with my mind makes my depressed head race. But I uh, do know that, however... I'm handling this uh, now isn't the right answer. So she's feeling depressed that she got put in the cancel club. So cancel culture, cancel Chrissy Teigen for being a bully. And as of right now, she's feeling depressed as a result. So does cancel culture have this habit of people who are canceled? Do they get some sort of anxiety or feel down, down and depressed that they can't get on social media and do what they normally do because they said something on Instagram or Twitter or whatever and people called them out on it and they canceled them for it. So this is what happened to Chrissy Teigen. She she got caught doing some shit that she didn't think that would come back on her. And it did. And people were upset at the fact that she was bullying a then 16-year-old, a teenager. You know, that didn't sit well with a lot of people. And as a result, cancel culture canceled her. So Tegan was put in the cancel club. But does this, is this a little bit deeper? Because when you think about it, is it that serious to where if you get put in the cancel club, if people cancel you for what you said online, why would you feel depressed? See, to me, this, this, this says uh, this, um, that social media has a hold on people. That people cannot live their regular life, go, go about their regular day without social media. They have to be on it. If they don't, they feel depressed, down. This is what she's saying. That because they, she can't be online and tweet and, and do what she normally does, that she feels depressed. As a result of being canceled. So people don't like her no more. You know, this is what the cancel club does. Cancel culture is that they let they let you know they don't like you and they put you in a box. They isolate you and say, you're no longer allowed to come and play with us anymore because of what you said and what you did. So it's almost like with children in a sense to where we're depriving other people adults of their social media activities so they can't get online because we say that they that they cannot come outside and play because of what they did and said. You know, we're almost like children, man, and, and this is why the council culture shit sucks, man, because you can't say anything to anybody. You know, you have to be real careful on what you say, how you say it, because you can't be canceled. But Chrissy Teigen, in my opinion, she did the deserve to get canceled because of her personality, man, and what people say about her. And, you know, by her bullying a 16-year-old kid, you know, this shows you that when it comes to social media, people have no boundaries. You know, uh, they lack respect. You know, so versus you minding your own business, you would rather give give your two cents on what you think about the subject. Or the person that you don't know. And this is what happened to Chrissy Teigen. That cancel culture. Put her in the cancel club. Now she's sad and depressed. That she can't do what she want to do. On social media no more. It's almost like we're fucking kids. Alright so I wanted to. Uh, quickly 
talk about this uh, critical race theory. Right now, it's a exodus of educators who are leaving their position as a teacher because of this issue with CRT. So you got a, a lot of teachers, educators resigning as a result of this critical race theory. Um, I saw a news segment the, the other day where teachers, a majority of them black teachers, uh, they were complaining about receiving death threats, you know, and and everything else because of pushing this um, this kind of and I and I say that it's indoctrination is is basically what it is. You know, you introduce a new idea. Critical race theory uh, teaches that discrimination exists within U.S. laws, you know, our policies and governments, etc. This is the, the uh, theory that because of racism, you know, this long history of racism, discrimination, this exists with deeply in U.S. laws, uh, policies, government, etc., so it's a big fight over this right now. And I don't understand why are black people so so driven to make white people learn about racism. I don't get it. It's almost like black people are crying at the fact that white people don't want to learn critical race theory. And this is how I see it. I don't think that black people should be trying to be forced in schools should try to force anybody to learn something that they don't feel comfortable with. I know about the long history of racism, discrimination in this country. At one point, it was sanctioned. The U.S. government allowed this to happen. However, since then, those whites-only signs went, you know, had, had to come down. You know, it, schools had to be desegregated. You know, so things have changed since then. So people are focusing so much on the past and now it's causing an issue in the future now. So versus a solution to the problem, less escalating right now. And it's a big push to teach critical race theory. And the way that I look at CRT is this. It's black people who really want to force white people to learn about discrimination, racism within U.S. laws, government, and policies. So you got black people who are upset, and I've seen a lot of black people upset over the fact that white people are rejecting CRT. And for some reason, we don't understand, but I do. There is no reason to force anybody to learn about what happened to you in history. If they don't want to learn it, okay, oh well. But don't get mad because they don't want to learn it. This is why you got some black people who believe that, you know, it should be separate schools. White people have their own schools. Black people have their own schools. It's pretty much that way now. Even though segregation doesn't exist anymore, you still have self-segregation, auto-segregation. Black people are still, we still segregate ourselves from, from other people. It's true. But we have the nerve to complain and think that we can make white people do anything that we want them to do. Never in history, in American history, have I ever seen black people being able to force white people to do anything they want them to do. And this is what we have to stop doing. If they do not want to learn critical race theory, there is no need to force them. And this is what we have to stop doing. Stop crying about this shit. You, you have no control over this shit. You have a lot of white people rejecting critical race theory. And me personally, I think it is some form of indoctrination. One way to control people is you indoctrinate the youth. Uh, I was, I've been watching this show on Netflix called How to Become a Tyrant. And in, and in the episode, I, th I think like episode four or five, whatever, it talks about being able to indoctrinate the youth. 
And this is what's happening right now in our country. Not just critical race theory, but also the uh, the big push when it comes to the gay community to uh, go, you know, genderless. You know, to teach people, to teach kids that there's no such thing as gender. You know, so it's the exact same thing we're seeing, you know, the indoctrination take place. You know, the belief that, you know, you can be any any gender you want to be. It, in my opinion, it's the exact same thing. You know, you if you want to have control over your future, you have to be able to indoctrinate the youth and, and control their minds. Dictate what they can be able to read and, and study. This is why I say that critical race theory should not be a discussion for black people. Let it go. If white people do not want to learn about discrimination and racism in America, the what happened in the past, oh well, let it go. It's not a big deal. You know, this is why I named this episode Let Them Burn. Uh, this article uh, deals with Caitlyn Jenner. So at CPAC, for those that don't know, CPAC is Conservative Political Action Conference, right? So Caitlyn Jenner is hit with these transphobic remarks and you know and they're saying that it it was abuse uh this person tormented uh caitlin jenner this is all on film so caitlin jenner was called bruce jenner so caitlin jenner is aspiring to be the california governor right but someone in the crowd a heckler a person referred to caitlin jenner as bruce jenner Numerous times. So the article says this. Caitlyn Jenner was hit with a vile transphobic abuse at the conference, the conservative political action conference by a heckler who called her Bruce and branded her a sick freak. Now, this is my theory. This only happens because Caitlyn Jenner identifies as being conservative and still having some conservative views. Now, people forget that Caitlyn or used to be Bruce Jenner, is a much older person. It's not like uh, Caitlyn Jenner is 30-something years old. So that old-school mentality still exists there. Uh, in the Olympics, women should be able to compete against women, not a trans athlete. No, not a man that identifies as a woman should be able to identify, uh, to compete with women at the Olympics. This is what... Caitlyn Jenner believes. But I find it ironic that people disagree with the viewpoint of Caitlyn Jenner. Meanwhile, you can be labeled as Bruce Jenner and they can disrespect you. And nobody in the gay community, nobody in the trans community runs to defend Caitlyn Jenner. I love it because it's showing that when it comes to your personal beliefs, as long as you are okay with what they believe in, they'll side with you. They'll defend you. The moment that you start going against it and, and you identify, especially in the terms of, of your political affiliation like Caitlyn Jenner is doing, people are against it. They, they will hate you. They will call you out. They will cancel you. You know, they will go after you. They won't respect you, defend you, none of that shit. And this is what we're seeing. The fact that nobody is running to defend Caitlyn Jenner after the fact this guy uses these transphobic uh, comments by calling Caitlyn Jenner Bruce Jenner. You know, no one jumped to defend Caitlyn Jenner. And I'm asking the question, you know, where is the trans community yet? Where is the gay community yet? They don't care because... Caitlyn Jenner is a conservative. They don't care. If you're conservative, if you're gay, people will bash you. They will call you all kinds of names because you are conservative. This is a fact. So what's happening right now is that the liberal, these uh, people that are into the whole gender identity thing, slowly but surely they're eating their self. And, and this is why I named this, this episode, Let Them Burn. Because open the, the, the gate up 
let everything go. Open the door up, let everything in. You know, just let it go. There is no use to even holding back no more. You know, and this is what people have to learn to do. Just sit back, watch, and let things develop. But it tells me everything I need to know. Caitlyn Jenner can be called Bruce Jenner and be disrespected. And people won't jump and defend Caitlyn Jenner like Lizzo defended Demi Lovato. When someone misgendered Demi Lovato. And this is what's happening. All because you're a conservative. No one is going to run and defend you. If you are a trans woman and you are conservative, no one is going to defend you. They'll throw you under the bus. They'll, they'll call you names. Just like Caitlyn Jenner. How are we not concerned or alarmed at the fact that Joe Biden, you know, he has his campaign to uh, to appeal to black people. Right. You know, this um, program plan campaign to push the vaccine, go into barbershops, salons. This is what Joe Biden said. And in an attempt to convince black people to get the vaccine. So. Unlike the rest of the nation, black people are getting the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine at a much lower rate. And how do you appeal to black people? How do you how do you convince them, persuade them? Well, you do it through hip hop music. So it was a video called Vax That Thing Up, right? It's Juvenile, Manny Fresh and Mia X. So you make a song, you remix the song, back that ass up. And you make a new song called Vax That Thing Up in an attempt to appeal to black people, convince them, persuade them to get the vaccine. And somehow people don't view this as somewhat racist, you know, and and this is intentional. And nobody calls out Joe Biden for it. Nobody says nothing. You know, they're making commercials for this shit. Like during the election uh, they had on BET, um, the video of the black women stripping and twerking and shit. And they said, get your booty to the pole. And somehow this wasn't seen as racist. So Joe Biden wasn't canceled for that shit. So here it is again. Let's appeal to black people. Let's make a video called Vax That Thing Up. A remix to Juvenile's hit record. Back that ass up and remind you that Juvenile has has not had a hit record in years. So somebody was like, okay, what's the song that black people are like? Oh, yeah. Back that ass up. Let's remix it. Let's have Juvenile remix it. Make a song about it. So this encourages black Americans to get the vaccine. And nobody. And nobody don't see the issue with this. How does anybody not see this? You're trying to either convince people to get the COVID-19 vaccine or you, or now they're going as far as to force people to get it mandated. Oh, you got to get it if you're in the health, uh, a health care worker. If you're going to school, you have to get it. It's mandated that you get the vaccine now. So they can infringe on your freedom, your rights as a American citizen. And nobody says nothing. Everybody just kind of goes along with it like sheep. Nobody says nothing. And this is concerning to me. As a taxpaying American citizen, as a black man in America, this is concerning that the Democrats can go this far, like they did during the election, to convince black people to do what they want them to do persuade them you know manipulate them in any kind of way and a juvenile actually did a interview where he talked about this and here's the audio of what of what a rapper juvenile was saying about why he did the whole video and and how he feels about the vaccine the black community and how we are not going to get the shot and i feel like you know 
somebody that looks like me. It had to be a person like me to be somebody to step out there and say something. And why not use Back That Ass Up as a great step step out song to use as that? Now you look good, won't you fax that thing up? Use a handsome young brother, won't you fax that thing up? They in real life, you need to fax that thing up. Feeling freaky all night, you need to fax that thing up. Now you look good, won't you fax that thing up? Use a decent looking brother, won't you fax that thing up? And you fool me, you need to fax that thing up. Heard immunity, won't you fax that thing up? There's a lot of black people, I have some in my family, you know, who think about the Tuskegee experiment or think about, you know, other yeah. ways that, that the medical community has abused African-Americans. Yes. Yes. So, so yes. talk to me a little bit about how you decided to, to, to get vaccinated. Well, of course, it was a family decision, but I first came to, you know, to started feel, feeling like I had to take the shot when I realized my daughter got accepted into another college. And they wanted, they wanted, you know, one of the criteria is that the students be vaccinated. Because I, I wasn't taking the shot at first. I said, you know, before I let my daughter take the shot, I think I need to be the first one to go take it. So if something happens to me, you know, you might want, you know, you might not want to take that shot. The second reason is, you know, of course, I don't want to catch COVID. And I've, I've lost some lost ones because of COVID. And I saw the effect that it can have on a person. I like the fact that they are blatantly doing this in our face. It's almost like they're spitting in our face to let us know that we're purposely targeting you, black people. We're targeting you. We want you to take the COVID-19 vaccine because we know that you all are getting the vaccine at a much lower rate. So our job is to target you, convince you, persuade you to force you to get the vaccine. And somehow black people are not counseling Joe Biden. We're not saying nothing. Then also Gail King said something that was disturbing. So listen to what Gail King said during the interview when they were talking about the whole COVID-19 and, and the vaccine as well. To get some of these advisors, not federal officials, but community people to go out there and try and convince people why it's so important for their own health, for that of their family, and for that of the community to go out and get vaccinated. We really need to get more people vaccinated because that's the solution. Yeah. This virus will, in fact, be protected against by the vaccine. Dr. Fauci, I don't know how many more times you can say to people, listen, it will save your life. I have this problem with some members of my own family, which I'm now going to ban for Thanksgiving vacation. That's how strongly I'm taking what you're saying. But over the weekend, there was a bit of so you heard Dr. Fauci say that, you know, he wants to convince people. Why do you want to convince people? Shouldn't people have the choice to get the vaccine? And shouldn't you accept the fact if they do not want to get the vaccine, they should have to? No, they're, they're trying to convince you, persuade you, influence you to get it by any way they can. And then on top of that, you got Gail King says this, that she's going to ban family members for Thanksgiving. So now in America, the same country, they're, they're having an argument about critical race theory right now. They're having a conversation about race. You mean to tell me that you're going to discriminate against people, vaccinated and unvaccinated. So people who are unvaccinated will face discrimination. People that do not want to wear a mask is going to face some sort of discrimination because they do not want to comply with this uh this new laws and it's very similar to what a dictatorship would do america looks down on countries that are dictatorships right you know these countries like north korea even cuba for example right now they frown upon these countries oh democracy all this shit but you're you are deliberately infringing and removing our rights as a citizen to not get the vaccine. You, want, you would not accept the fact that you don't want, people don't want to get it. So you're trying to convince them. And then you got Gail King that says that she would ban family members. So you are admitting that you will discriminate against your own family members that have not been vaccinated. Hmm. That's all I need to know. So America can't say shit about what's going on in Cuba. Not a fucking thing. If you are treating people in your own country this way, it makes no sense to me.
is hypocrisy. And people don't see this. All right, so that wraps up this episode. Thank you for being able to tune in to my podcast. No one watches regular news hosted by me, Kerry Bogor, and this was episode 14. Stay tuned for episode 15.